Hi everybody, I'm Katie. And I'm Rhiannon. And welcome to Haunting Cases. Right into the microphone. That's right. That's how we start this. Coughing right into the microphone. <laughs> Don't worry. You won't have to hear our audience because future Katie's going to take care of that. Aren't you, future Katie? Wink, wink. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. I, yes. I hope future Katie's doing better than current Katie. <laughs> I- Future Re is doing better than current Re. I think that's just the vibes we got going right now. I decided at the beginning of this month that I was going to release one episode of Resident Evil for a day. I was like, oh, it's just edits for a video. It won't be that hard. I can do that. (laughs) I'm doing it. Regrettably now, but I'm because doing it. Because the internet says no. <laughs> because the internet says no. But I went back and I start. I'm starting to like go back and watch things. Which, by the way, if you're listening to this and you happen to click on the West Mesa Bone Collector Part Two, and there was no audio. Oh gosh, yes. We need to address the elephant in the room. <laughs> <laughs> let me just let me just close the door real quick. We're just gonna have a little conversation, just you and me. Um, <laughs> I fixed the problem. It is working now. I do Yay. deeply apologize. I have no idea what happened other than my shitty ass internet corrupted the file when I went to upload it and there was no sound whatsoever. I'm like, oh, this is great. I love it here. <laughs> so I apologize. It is up now. It is working. I have checked. I have triple checked. I even like went in today like I'm gun shy now. I'm like, is it working? <laughs> Shit, I'm gonna have to start checking every episode that uploads now, like when it's published, to like go in and just listen to the first few minutes. Like, can I hear something? Is Good, it okay? Check and make sure, <laughs> make sure I actually did my work <laughs> instead of just uploading a hour and a half episode of haunting cases background image for YouTube. <laughs> so I was like, is this how beautiful it is image with absolutely no background noise? It's like those uh, things you that. That Watson and I put up at bedtime where it's just like a relaxing image with like rain or stream noises, except for ours doesn't come with the relaxing sounds. You just get the nice image to look at. <laughs> it doesn't come with the relaxing sounds. That didn't sound like it was relaxing at all. It sounded yeah. like there's some guy with a chainsaw in the background. <laughs> <laughs> We don't have the relaxing soundboard. We have the anxiety-filled one. (laughs) We are not meditation sounds. We are anti-meditation sounds. (laughs) We're anti-meditation sounds. We're all about getting those cortisol levels up, you know, packing on that weight because you can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anyway, but... Yeah, I, I decided that I was going to upload a episode of Resident Evil 4 every single day this month because I, I did the math and it comes out that if you play all the way through the game, like a chapter a day, you will land on the Resident Evil 4 remake release day in March. So starting from March 1st up until like the 24th, if you play a chapter per day of the original Resident Evil 4 It'll land right when Resident Evil 4 Remake drops. Which, by the way, by the fucking way, the <laughs> Chainsaw demo? My video game people, I know some of you are out there for the video games. The Chainsaw demo? Oh my god. <laughs> that is also up on my YouTube. But I, I haven't screamed at the Chainsaw guy in that game for a long time and I can tell you right now just thinking about it I have a little bit of panic in me because 
rest of them anymore. No, he runs at you. Oh, I'm like, shit. I, I couldn't figure things out fast enough. I'm like, I'm going to die. <laughs> so I'm going to get my boy killed. <laughs> I feel like I see breath of death upon my neck. <laughs> oh, oh, my no. God. But that's what's going on right now. And once again, I do apologize for the West Mason Bone Collector Part 2. That wasn't the intent of the outcome. Unfortunately, it's not April yet, so we can't say it was an April Fool's joke. I mean, it's close enough. If I found, <laughs> if I found out in April, I would have been like, well, this is going to be the longest running April Fool's joke. But yes, the audio should be back up. Everything should be working perfectly fine again. You should be able to listen to that episode and hear those stories and like more about that case so once again i apologize but thank you for for being so dedicated to us and going back and listening to that episode thank you for sticking around thank you yeah that's uh that's where we're at right now is trying to make our technology work which we're gonna see how that goes today I mean, it seems to be going pretty good so far, knock on wood. <laughs> Thank you, Reeve, for that sound effect. Because <laughs> my, my wee little knuckle did not want to turn up, so that was a weird knock that I just did. <laughs> but anyway, we have spiritual insurance, guys. You might want to grab yours, too. Got our spiritual insurance going. Are we ready to get started today, Reeve? <laughs> yes, I think so. See you on the other side of the trigger warnings. While we understand that some individuals listen for the entertainment aspect of true crime, it's important to remember that these are real people with families and friends who may still be suffering from their loss. These stories are not meant to open old wounds or cause further emotional damage to those involved. We remind you to please be respectful, do not dox, or contact those involved with cases. While paranormal occurrences and urban legends may be sources of tourism, please be considerate if you visit one of these locations. Do not engage in trespassing and be sure to ask for permission if you plan on recording. Be aware of your surroundings and travel safely. The cases discussed in this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. episode we will be discussing cases involving children or teens these are cases that can be very disturbing to some listeners as always listener discretion is advised if you or someone you know has a child who has been victimized please call the proper authorities and look at missingkids.org or call the national center for missing and exploited children's hotline at 800-843-5678 seven eight for more helpful resources now back to the show all right well let's get to it uh today we are going to go a little bit more in depth into the paranormal activity going on in the vaults so let's get started with some uh, paranormal investigations that have taken place in the vaults. And then after that, we'll deep dive a little bit more into specific rooms and specific ghosties. <laughs> so one sensitive who toured the vaults described the overall atmosphere as feeling oppressive with feelings of drowning and desperation coming over her. Another overnight investigation that involved a different medium. Um, that medium actually said there was a spirit named Peter who had died in the vaults. And later on, the investigators asked, where's Peter? And they got an EVP asking softly, who is Peter? <laughs> they also detected EVPs of a dog barking, 
which apparently, according to them, can be a sign of a demon. I don't think I've personally heard of that before, but that was an intriguing detail for sure. I mean, there's always been kind of like theories back behind it that like dogs barking on EVPs might be hellhounds. And I think we covered oh, that a little bit at right, the right, right, right. Kirk Patterson mansion. Yeah, that does sound familiar. I can't remember which episode it was, if it was that one or a different one. But that's right. I do remember mm-hmm. now you mentioning that. Yeah. So there is that, which as we get more into it, there is definitely some like freaky shit going on, which is why we have our spiritual insurance going. (laughs) So, I mean, maybe they're onto something. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's a little bit more accurate than we think it is. (laughs) A medium on the most haunted TV series while in the Nidri street vaults reported feeling the presence of a woman who was the owner of a tavern who grew angry and stabbed a man in her establishment after a fight broke out and the man targeted a young boy who apparently meant a lot to this woman. Now there are some historical records, which is pretty interesting since a lot of the time it's difficult to back up a lot of these stories that are coming back from 1800s or earlier because we just don't have a lot of those records usually. So this was an, an, uh, a cool through line. Uh, in any case, the historical records discuss a story about a woman named Mary McKinnon in 1822 who was the owner of a tavern or um, I don't know if she was the owner or just the person running it, but she was in charge at the tavern. And she was trying to expel ruffians with a kitchen knife. And in the report, it details that a man actually tripped and fell into the knife. And this wasn't even one of the men that she was trying to expel. So this wasn't even a ruffian. This was actually a city clerk. However, after he tripped and fell into her knife, she stabbed him to death. So she was tried and hanged for murder on April 16th, 1822. So... Like I said, there is some historical backing to that potential um, spiritual connection, which is more than we have a lot of the time. Uh, but as always, I am always skeptical when it comes to TV shows and all that as well, since a lot of time they're doing it for the entertainment value. So again, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, also, during the most haunted investigation, uh, whistling was heard frequently as well as footsteps. In their investigation of the Blair Street vaults specifically, The medium reported seeing the spirits of four to five hooded men, two of which she had visions of them doing terrible things, including dragging bodies through the corridors. So it is guessed that these people were likely body snatchers, which if you haven't listened to part one of this episode, definitely go back and listen to it. We covered a lot of the history of the vaults, including a little bit on body snatchers. Uh, Some of the crew also felt really sick during this investigation And so there was some belief that could be residual energy from historically when people living there would have been experiencing so much disease just from those very unsanitary conditions we'd been talking about. And uh, apart from those footsteps, like I said, they were also touched on the face and on the head. So there was also some physical interaction there. Now, the team of Haunted Scotland also investigated the vaults, and they had some interesting experiences, including a lot of EVPs and spirit box interactions, so definitely check my references and check them out if interested. Uh, They also invested the basement of a local pub. It appeared that the basement appeared to be a remodeled section of some of the old vaults, which I do know from other articles that there are sections of the vaults that like used to be part of the vaults and now have been remodeled to be like modern day businesses. Uh, However, I will not be covering that part of their investigation here. I'm only going to go a little bit into what we would now consider the vaults that are still in their historic form. So why I mentioned the whistling with the last investigative team is because this team caught whistling coming through the spirit box and also could audibly hear whistling. And so I thought that was uh, something that stood out to me that two different teams were hearing whistling in the vaults. And late in the episode when they were trying to help spirits move on, it almost seemed as if the whistling was trying to lead them away from the ritual. Uh, There were some other unfriendly interactions they had as well. They had an EVP that said leave and an interaction using the REM pod where they asked multiple questions and the spirit basically responded that it did not want to talk to them and it wanted them to go away. 
Uh, however, there was also other EVPs and spirit box interactions that sounded like spirits asking for help or being happy about being trapped in this, this space. So if these EVPs, EVPs and spirit box sessions were real, this would be both intriguing and sad evidence of the spirits present in the vaults. Yeah. So now let's do a deeper dive into some specific spirits and haunted rooms in the vaults. And we will start with one of the, uh, I guess we're going to try to start with some of the lighter ones before we get into the dark ones, but also some of the, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) We're going to go into it gently. Um, here we go. (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) So we'll start with Jack. Jack is a six to eight, somewhere around the age of six to eight years old, uh, a child mm-hmm. spirit who has curly blonde hair and is described as wearing a blue suit with a white shirt and knickerbocker trousers. He is occasionally seen as a full body apparition, which I'm assuming is how they know how he looks, but he also is known to make his presence known in other ways as well. Now, uh, historically speaking, during the Irish immigration, when they were trying to escape the potato famine, a lot of children apparently went missing, so some people believe this may be the backstory of Jack. He seems to enjoy singing and has been observed playing with a red ball. He is known to wander the vaults, but is especially active in the wine vault. (laughs) Perfect place for a child. (laughs) Now, in the the wine vault, he will actually hide on the lowest shelf and watch visitors. He's also known to throw pebbles in that room, but not in an aggressive way. He's not throwing people, excuse me, throwing pebbles at people. Uh, It seems more like an activity for amusement, like a game. He will also grab women's hands and tug on people's clothes, and he's especially attracted to women and children. Which, I mean, again, if we're following the storyline of potentially this is a kid who lost his parents, I think that definitely makes sense that he would be attracted to women and children. Yeah, and I mean, if, like, it's women and children, obviously, with their kids, like, he's probably like, oh, this is somebody safe. Yes, that's a good point, yeah. And that actually is a perfect segue And to the point that he also seems to be afraid of one of the malevolent spirits that we will discuss in a little while in detail. And he will sharply tug on people's sleeves or their coat if they try to enter the Blair Street corridor where this malevolent spirit is known to be commonly. And so that's a a really good point and that that might be part of it too is he's looking for that feeling of safety because this malevolent Mm -hmm. spirit is obviously not very friendly. He's also known to hide out in the cobbler's room, which we will get to next. Now, the cobbler's room is one of the most active rooms in the vaults. However, it is known to have a mostly positive presence. One specific type of paranormal activity that occurs here specifically is that rocks and candles will be thrown in the room. But again, this is not in an aggressive manner directly towards people and uh, Jack has also, like I said, been known to hide out in the space. So there's also been some talk that perhaps this is Jack throwing things since he's known to toss pebbles around. Mm-hmm. Now, the cobbler is known to wear a white shirt with a long leather apron. And it's believed that he is probably from either the late 1700s or the early 1800s. He is often seen sitting in the southwestern corner of the cobbler's room sitting on a bench and working on a shoe. He's considered a positive spirit who's known to look up from his work and smile at visitors. He will also laugh occasionally, and he has also interacted with visitors' shoes. He will tug on people's shoelaces, but according to one source I read, he seems to be confused by Velcro. Now, uh, psychics have specifically advised staff to go to the cobbler's room if they are in need of refuge from one of the vault's malevolent spirits. They say that the cobbler will protect them. And this does seem to line up as well with the fact that Jack seems to go to the cobbler's room. Um, I mean, a lot of sources described it as Jack goes to the cobbler's room to feel safe. I don't know if we really know what Jack's thinking because it wasn't necessarily a specific evp or a psychic or anything that was saying that that seemed more like speculation 
Um, but I think that makes sense that if the cobbler's room is where people feel protected, that that might be why Jack spends a lot of time there. However, female visitors and especially pregnant women may feel uncomfortable in the cobbler's room. So please, please, please be careful if you're considering uh, touring this particular vault. These generally pregnant women, again, this can be women who are not pregnant, but usually pregnant women will experience feelings of grief and anger, as well as sensations of abdominal pain. It's believed that these experiences are linked to a young woman's spirit who is dressed in all black with a veil and acts like she is grieving. She is also known to haunt the cobbler's room. Psychics who have been in this room believe that this female spirit uh, has lost her child in a traumatic way. And one specific visitor I read about was six months pregnant when she visited this room and reported hearing a baby crying in one corner, then suddenly became violently ill. So it is definitely uh, a caution to consider if you are pregnant or trying to become pregnant that this room may not be comfortable for you. Now for the room of the caretaker. In here we have a male spirit that is sometimes seen sitting by the fireplace with his legs stretched out in front of him and a drink in his hand. <laughs> He's a very relaxed spirit. He knows how to live in the afterlife, apparently. <laughs> that sounds like my dream life right there. <laughs> Drinking my hand, cozy fire, chillaxed, just having a good time. <laughs> so I feel like I'd be okay with this guy, too. <laughs> There's also a dog spirit in this room, that of a small wire-haired terrier, which has been observed sitting at the man's feet. However, this dog spirit will also often brush up against people or sniff them. And sometimes all that you can see of the dog is its wagging tail. <laughs> that's still pretty cute. I'm, I know. I'm I was like, you know what? Even if I just see the tail, that still kind of makes me happy inside. <laughs> all right. So let's start getting into some of the... Less friendly spirits. <laughs> so this is definitely the point where if you don't have your spiritual insurance out and you think you might want some, <laughs> get pause the recording and go light your white candle or your, your favorite form of spiritual insurance. <laughs> you might wanna you might wanna bring a couple of matches too, because we've already had an experience of oh, the candle gosh. going out. Yes, it has been a whole situation a little side note we've already tried to record this specific episode part two once before which granted we were mainly sidetracked because of internet issues where it kept crashing but that night i tried to light my white candle three times and it took three tries to get the darn thing lit and just about burnt myself in the process because the stupid thing would not light and it broke one of the matches too and then tonight Got it first try, and I told Katie, like, I was actually, I should say, I was about to tell Katie, like, oh, that must be a good omen that I got my candle to light on the good first try. And then it freaking started smoking black smoke, and she's like, oh, maybe not. And then Katie's candle went out, like, shortly after starting the episode. So, yeah, we're having some, <laughs> some concerns with our spiritual insurance tonight, so be prepared <laughs> to potentially relight your candle. <laughs> Just bring spare matches into the room. Like, yes. sit with your candle right in front of me and be like, mm. and if <laughs> right. you're driving a car, may maybe some uh, maybe some herbs for you. Get a crystal. Get a wonderful <laughs> crystal. Right. There are car safe options as well. <laughs> there are car safe options. Get a crystal. Uh, maybe some evil eye wear, you know, lapis lazuli. Oh, yeah. Do do what yep. you need to do. Yep. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start with the aristocrat. Uh, this is a man with a beard who wears a tall black top hat, coattails, and a cane. He is generally spotted leaning against a wall and grinning at visitors. Ew. Yeah, that was, uh, I don't know. My immediate reaction when I first read that was like, oh, is he just like a nice friendly guy? But then the more I read about him, I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't think he's like friendly smiling. <laughs> Well, it was like, when you said grinning, I'm like, that is different than a smile in my book. That, that's true. That is a good point. 
Yeah, like, some of my sources say, like, uh, also described it as smirking. So, like in the sense of like, oh, he's got a good grin type of thing. Like he's got a yeah. good smile. Like, okay, but he's <laughs> grinning at you. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> Now, this particular spirit has never, at least from all my sources I read, he has never acted aggressively towards anyone, but many visitors do report that his presence does feel negative. So, still a little cautious about that one. Now, let's talk about the double height room. Now, this is called the double height room because it is a room where the ceiling actually collapsed. So it now has a much taller ceiling oh. than all of the other rooms because it's basically two rooms combined into one. One of the sensitives in my sources described this room as feeling oppressive, hot, and heavy as if there was a weight bearing down on her chest. And this same person also reported seeing shadow people in the corners of the room. And we all know how we feel about shadows, shadow people on this podcast. Spiders <laughs> of the paranormal. That's right. <laughs> and especially hanging out in corners. I was like, ooh, that's totally a spidery thing to do. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> now, I definitely do not like this room. Uh, this, this is a room that dogs strongly dislike. And that... Is I probably have said it on the podcast before. That's a huge indicator for me. Like, if my dog does not like the space, that's usually not a good sign for me because dogs generally are very sensitive. And I have had experiences with my dog or friends' dogs reacting to paranormal things before before we noticed they were there. And so that's that's a huge thing for me is dogs not liking rooms. I'm like, ah, I don't want to be in there if the dog doesn't want to be in there. Now, dogs that are brought into this room will either cry, whimper, or bark, or straight out refuse to enter. So definitely not a space that dogs like to be in. As far as the specific apparitions that have been spotted in this room, we do have the aristocrat. So the spirit we were just talking about, the one that grins at people. <laughs> he tends to hang out in this room and has actually been spotted in front of the top floor's door. So it seems like perhaps he, in his lifetime, or I guess in the afterlife, is haunting rather the upper room. But since the ceiling of the lower room collapsed, it, he's now like floating in the air next to the, the door up on the wall. A little creepy, but I get it. There's also a bird-like apparition that has been spotted swooping down and clawing at people in this room. Ah! Yeah, I, I don't like that at all. I... I personally, like, do not have, have not seen a lot of bird spirits or, like, whether that's personal experiences or, like, even TV books, anything. Like, that's not something I come across very often. And when I have come across it, it's never been good. So I don't know, like, if that's something not good, taking the form of a bird or, like, what's going on there. But I definitely don't like it. <laughs> well, it's like you figure that most bird spirits that would, like, hang around would either be, like, pets or something like that. And most of your, like, bird ghosts would be outside. Yeah. yeah. I figured that's what would happen. But I might be wrong. I mean, I don't know. I know that birds, especially, like, swallows, for example, there are certain species of birds that do really like to nest in bridges. And, I mean, we are talking about the vaults, which, I mean, technically are just large gaps in the bridge, basically. But mm -hmm. still, I, I don't know, though, because if you think about birds... I don't know. I'm conflicted about it because generally when I see birds nesting in bridges, it's usually in like little crevices or like in the case of the swallows, they may build a net like a, a mud nest basically that sticks to the wall or to the corner. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're not necessarily like going into like a room sized hollow. That seems like more of a bat thing to me. Bats definitely do yeah. that. They like more cavernous spaces and they will roost inside of bridges if there is space for them to roost inside of them. Uh, but yeah, birds, I don't know, you know, maybe birds do that. But from what I know, birds generally are like, I like this little nook here. It's just big enough for me to sit and make a nest. <laughs> They're not so much like, <laughs> let me find a cave. <laughs> so yeah, definitely uh, comes across as a little unnatural to me too, for sure. 
as well as the aristocrat and the bird-like apparition, we also have the ghost of a naked man that has been spotted floating in the upstairs section of the room, also near the upstairs door where the aristocrat hangs out. <laughs> Ooh, I lost. I know, so? right? I'm like, oh, maybe the aristocrat's into that. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they were buddies in life. <laughs> oh, then generally speaking with this room people often report feeling uncomfortable like there is a negative presence in the room and the temperature is also known to fluctuate wildly so some visitors to the tavern room claim that they feel drunk in this space some of which even act drunk unable to walk straight and falling into giggling fits I think I'm on to something. I think this man died having a very good time. <laughs> very good time. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> now, the tavern room is also a, another location where the aristocrat is known to spend time. Now, psychics have specifically tried to communicate with the aristocrat in this room and have claimed that his name is either Finian or Jerain McKenzie, and that he may have been a member of the Hellfire Club, which was a notorious gentleman's club ran in the vaults that was believed to have ties to Satan. Oh, it's not that <laughs> gentleman's club. <laughs> Katie's face changed very suddenly. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. When I think gentleman's club, that's the kind of... Ge- I, I guess there's two gentleman's clubs I'm thinking of. The modern-day gentleman's club... <laughs> And then the, like, old-fashioned gentleman's club of let's smoke cigars and play cards and shit and women aren't allowed in here. I'm assuming There are two it's... types of people. <laughs> there are two types of people. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Uh, yeah, so I don't know what it was exactly they were doing in this gentleman's club, but supposedly they were also worshipping Satan while they were doing it. So. <laughs> well then... Like, like we said earlier, they were just having a really fun time. <laughs> really good time. <laughs> now, this is the bit that really gets me in this room. I mean, the aristocrat's definitely creepy, but this is the part where I just went, no. <laughs> That's a no. <laughs> Big nope. So there has been a black mass that has been observed moving across the ceiling and a dark figure that also paces the floor of the room. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Not a fan at all. (laughs) No. I really don't like dark masses, especially not when they're, like, moving across the ceiling. Just, no, that doesn't feel good. I don't want you above me. Please, no. (laughs) I don't know which is worse. Like, the humanoid stuff, like, crawling on the ceiling. Yeah. Or just a mass of, you you really can't distinguish what that is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I hate both of those, no. but I hate one a little bit more. <laughs> I'm kind of like weighing them, like, which one do I hate more? <laughs> <laughs> which one would make me run faster? <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> now, sighs and screams have also been heard coming from this room. All right, so that brings us to what is probably, I would say, based on my reading, the most popular spirit in the vaults. Well, I guess I shouldn't say popular. He's not popular. The most famous spirit in the vaults. Infamous. That's probably the best way to put it. The most infamous spirit in the vaults. Because <laughs> he's not famous for any good reasons. So I will say up front, it depends on the source. Uh, some people consider this goes to be uh, this to be two separate spirits and some consider it to be a single spirit. So I will f- start by introducing him by his most common name, which is Mr. Boots. However, some people also say this is the same spirit as what is called the Watcher, and then some people describe them as two separate entities, which with one entity being Mr. Boots and one entity being the Watcher. With how everything I read and watched and whatnot, well, mostly what I read, it came across to me more that this is probably the same spirit we're talking about here. Uh, that was my interpretation of it is I think it's the same spirit. We're just calling it two different things because there's very specific activity in a certain room, which is where the watcher tends to hang out. Whereas Mr. Boots is known to wander the vaults. But in either case, we are going to 
get into uh, what makes Mr. Boots so scary and what makes the Watcher so scary. <laughs> and you all can decide for yourself if you think they are one and the same or if they are two different spirits. So to start off, Mr. Boots is described as being a tall, disheveled man. And he is named for the knee-high leather boots that he wears. Now, this is also the spirit that earlier I referred to that Jack, the little boy, is appears to be afraid of. Mm. Now, Mr. Boots is infamous both for being such an active spirit in the vaults, but also due to a photograph that depicts the spirit. So let's tell the story of Emma. Emma was a 32-year-old visiting from Blackpool who took a photo of her sister when no one was standing near her and was shocked when they both saw a shadow figure standing behind her sister in the photo. She stated that she had a photo from two seconds earlier and two seconds afterwards, and in neither of those photos was anyone else pictured there. However, I will note here before we move on that uh, the source I found that shows the photos does not include those photos, so I don't actually see anything time-stamped showing that she did not have photos from two seconds before and two seconds after. But that's what she said. And due to the darkness, the photo came out very dark as well, but the lightened version of the photo makes the figure even more obvious. So really quick, Katie, I'm going to send you a link and let you take a look at these photos. <laughs> Alright, so I finally made it into the stupid website after I closed all the advertisements that popped up. So, the first photograph you should see is a lightened photograph with a red circle around the apparition. So you see her sister is standing in like an arched doorway, and then behind her you can make out the form of what appears to be a man in what, what I would describe as like a long coat, maybe like a trench coat style coat, and... Uh, some some boots, some tall boots. And then if you scroll a little further down, they also have the original version that is darker, though. Even in the original that is much darker, you can still, if you look closely, make out the outline of the boot and the bottom of his coat. And honestly, you could probably make out the figure, just not as well as in the lightened version. Mm -hmm. So, just quick comment real quick. Um, for me... It looks like the original picture might be taken with a possible like night vision light on or something like that because it's very green. Um, but granted, green is the base of most cool tones. So it could just be a weird exposure effect. But with the... I'm pretty sure that's infrared photo... The infrared photo, it's a little bit easier to see what's happening in here. You can actually see the boots, the outline, what appears to be something in a hand. And, like, the shadow actually, like, blending into that wall a little bit more. Maybe, like, a cloak over this guy's head. I'm not really sure off of that. But for me, it's actually a lot easier to see with the original photo, at least, where you could see, like possible trench coat the boots i swear it looks like there's something in the hand on that <laughs> left hand side of the photo um I'm, I'm presuming you'll get to that here in a second if there is any information on that but this high exposure is really really rough to see it like after looking at it a little bit longer it looks a little easier to see but a lot of it is just muddied up so yeah if you're going to look at this, just beware. <laughs> yes, and we will, I'll make a note to post the link in the summary for this episode. So do feel free to click on that link and go check out the photos for yourself. And then I'll also be including at least one or two of these photos in our Instagram post as well. But yeah, I actually don't have anything as far as like observations or information on what's in his hand. But as we dig into... Uh, some other information about Mr. Boots, we could probably guess what's in his hand. <laughs> it looks almost kind of like, I wouldn't say like a cleaver. Well, maybe it's a cleaver. I'm not really sure. It looks like what would be like a knife or something in his hand. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's holding a knife or a butcher knife of some sort. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about Mr. Boots. <laughs> So Mr. Boots tends to lurk in the back of the vaults, 
but he is known to move throughout the vaults, at which point people can hear his heavy footsteps. That is one notable thing about this spirit that is commonly reported is apparently he's got very heavy footsteps. People in the back of the tour groups have also reported that they tend to hear his footsteps following directly behind them, and he seems to have a tendency to sneak up behind people, which I really don't like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Some people believe that he was a city guard who patrolled the vaults in life and thus continues to do so in death, while others believe that he was an amateur body snatcher in life who is rumored to have killed a sex worker whose body he sold to the medical school. Or in some stories, kept in his room, although this seems unlikely, as the price that a body would fetch in those days would mean not having to work for months. So it's very unlikely he would have... that. And I don't know, you gotta be a very special kind of person to also want to keep a body in your room for a long period of time. (laughs) A necrophiliac would... Yeah, yeah, that crossed my mind, and I think I just, like, shoved it back into the recesses of my mind because I just didn't want to think about it. Well, you gotta, like, imagine, like, if the bodies are going for a high rate right now and people are like, oh, how dare you? And, like, are watching, like, graves kind of, like, keeping an eye on those that are deceased to make sure that they're not getting body snatched. It's also gotta be a pain in the ass for people that unfortunately participate in necrophilia to get a hold of bodies as well so keeping one in your room might be a little bit more convenient that's a good point i didn't think about that that if there's other reasons you may want a body that that would probably be harder to get since everybody's trying to get bodies at that time so there Mm -hmm. was a little bit uh greater protections and guarding of graveyards for that reason so that is definitely a good point and i don't know if it would have anything to do with it but as well if he specifically like hired the sex worker prior to killing her for necrophilia i don't know if that would play into it at all as well as opposed to like you know just taking any random person from the vaults if he already saw this person as lesser than or sexualized if that would make him more inclined to choose that as a victim that person as a victim perhaps unfortunately but yeah so there is definitely uh mixed views on the background of Mr. Boots. Um, but those are the two primary beliefs, it seems, that either he was a city guard or that he was a body snatcher. And actually, that is a good point as well, in that I don't think it didn't sound like it was as common, probably because it was more difficult. Uh, but it wasn't unheard of either. Certain body snatchers, rather than going to the graves to dig up bodies, would kill people for fresh bodies because that may. I don't know if I'd call it easier than digging up a grave, but I guess then you don't have to avoid the guards and all that. Uh, So that's not something we will be going into today, since that's definitely more in Katie's realm. But that is something that some body snatchers also did, is they would specifically target people in the vaults, like immigrants, sex workers, anyone, again, who fits the lesser than alive or less than a real human. Less than dead. Less than dead. Thank you. I was trying to remember the term. Less than dead uh, category of people, unfortunately, were definitely common victims back in that day as well for body snatchers to unfortunately kill and then sell their bodies to the medical school. Yeah. Uh, People do believe, uh, especially if the the case is that he's a body snatcher, that this would definitely explain why Mr. Boots acts malevolently towards visitors because he doesn't want his crimes discovered. Or I would make the argument just because he's kind of an asshole person. But who knows? (laughs) Now, some have heard what sounds like a chain and keys jingling accompanying the sound of the heavy footsteps, which would align more with the theory that Mr. Boots was a guard. EVPs have recorded the sound of the the chain and keys jingling. So I do think that is an interesting factor to consider for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't know. I guess either asshole guard or murderous or worse. Well, I don't know if it's worse, but just as bad. Uh, Surprise! (laughs) It's both! Yes! (laughs) That 
that's true. Maybe he was a city guard during the day. And at night was a body snatcher. Who knows? Making some money on the side. Ugh. Or or city guard who's also necrophiliac. I don't know. No matter what, I don't or like city any guard of these that's also a serial killer. Yeah, that could be too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got lots of choices here. <laughs> now, Mr. Boots has been known to curse at people, push visitors, and throw rocks at them. And there have actually been EVPs recorded of him yelling cuss words at people. Other people have reported hearing him whisper cuss words into their ear. So either way, we have a malevolent spirit on our hands for sure. And some have even said they can smell his bad breath when he is around. It's kind of rude. No wonder he's like, <laughs> fuck you in your ear. <laughs> You're like, ew, you need a breath mint. And he's like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> I don't think I would blame him personally for bad breath because we're talking about a dude back from like the 1800s, which I'm I'm pretty sure that was before brushing your teeth became a thing. (laughs) And he also did not bathe very frequently back then either. So I'm pretty sure everybody smelled pretty bad back then. (laughs) But in any case, uh, Mr. Boots, apparently one time when somebody called him by his nickname, he once yelled, my name is Edward. So I guess we have a name for him if... That really was Mr. Boots that we were talking to. Um, And one particular spirit box exchange in Haunted Scotland really stood out to me. Uh, They asked if Mr. Boots was real and present and heard a yes come through the spirit box. Then they asked if he carried a chain and keys and heard "Mm mm-hmm. And then the sound of keys jingling followed by the words key and ring. So again... Interesting evidence, uh, and like I said before, I'm skeptical, seeing as it was a TV show, <laughs> but I did want to note it as it was something that stood out to me uh, in regards to some of these other stories or guesses as to who Mr. Boots was in his lifetime. And the only room in the vaults that Mr. Boots seems to avoid is the cobbler's room. So again, that goes back to that seems to be of all the rooms... The, well, I would say most people say it's the safest room, but then you have that one spirit that impacts a pregnant woman. So I don't know if you can argue it's the safest room for everybody, but it's the safest room for, I guess, a lot of people. Uh, and that is the room that the psychic said if anyone ever needed to take shelter from malevolent spirits like Mr. Boots, go to the cobbler's room. The cobbler will protect you. Cobbler's like, I'm going to kick some ass. How dare you? Right. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Now let's talk about the white room. Now this is the room where the watcher is known to hang out. So this is where we get into the part where I personally, my opinion is I believe Mr. Boots and the watcher are the same exact spirit, but maybe they're not. So I'll go over what's going on in this room and y'all can decide for yourself if you think Mr. Boots and the watcher are one and the same or two different spirits. So the white room is supposedly the most active room in the vaults. And it often instills feelings of dread in people to the point where some tour guides refuse to even enter this room. Mr. Boots seems to be particularly, or I guess I should say Mr. Boots slash the watcher, (laughs) seems to be particularly territorial about this room. In this room, batteries are often drained, cameras malfunction, and lights go out. So we're seeing a lot of that activity of just electronics losing energy which we generally see with spirits trying to gather energy to manifest and if people are able to get any photos at all in this room they often have faces appear in the photographs now as far as what people besides the electronics phenomena what people are experiencing in this room uh, people get pushed, scratched, and bruised and in one source they even said that uh, someone had their clothes torn Oh, no. Yeah, so not good at all. And that really concerns me. And that was something noted in the source as well, that if this spirit has enough energy, not only to hurt somebody, but to even rip clothing, that's very concerning, especially if they're malevolent. Uh, People also experience oftentimes uh, nausea in this room. And also, when you enter the room, it often smells like death. So it's just full of lovely things. (sighs) I wonder if, 
I think I'm on your side a little bit more that Mr. Boots and the Watcher might be the same person. If it's not, it's obviously still malevolent and yes, and it's kind of coming across of how a violent attack would happen because mm-hmm. we know that there were two serial killers down here at one point. Yeah, at least two. Those are the two we know about. I mean, there could have been more than just those two, but yeah. yes, two famous serial killers that were down in the vaults as well as a number of uh, more amateur body snatchers that maybe were not serial killers or maybe didn't kill as many victims, but there were definitely other people running around as well, like I said, killing people in the vaults because they were easy targets, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. to then sell their body to the the medical school. So yeah, definitely a minimum of two serial killers, but we probably had more than two serial killers on our hands when it comes to this area, for sure. Yeah, definitely, especially during that time when it wasn't as popular to theorize that you could kill multiple people, so. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that probably helped. (laughs) So I wouldn't say that it's necessarily like a disorganized killer that we have on our hands here or like an organized killer, maybe like a blendable, but that style of like attack would definitely fall more towards a disorganized of they don't care what's happening they don't care how much evidence they make they don't care about the mess that they leave however this is also during a time where you didn't have modern day forensics telling your every move or police basically being like oh well there's a dead person here we got to figure out what happened because the less than dead theory as it is today is awful but in that time there are people that did not even matter oh yeah and i would definitely agree with that that Like I said, that's why it's hypothesized that there was a lot of killers running around in the space was because there was this huge population of people that were considered less than dead, whether that be immigrants, whether that be sex workers, uh, a number of of people in this this place. And also, I mean, uh, legally speaking, they were squatters. I mean, they didn't own this property in most cases that like i guess in the last episode i did mention there were some cases of like people taking advantage of the situation and making people pay for spaces like way overpay for really shitty spaces but then there's also some incidents of just like the business owners who originally were renting this this space still own the space and people were breaking in and using it because the business owners aren't coming down here anymore because they're like that shit's gross i'm not going down there And so definitely not an area where I feel like if law enforcement is coming down here from what I read, at least it seemed like they're more down there to make the big busts of like who is doing more organized crime, like, uh, they're looking for more of the, uh, they're looking for the more like white collar, maybe a little bit into that blue collar crime. Yes. But they're not looking for your serial murderers. They're not looking for the small time murderers because this is an area that's going to be highly trafficked by, this is an area that's going to be highly trafficked by people that fit that less than dead category of, well, nobody's going to miss them if they disappear. Nobody's going to care about them if they go missing or get murdered. Like it's just one less mount mouth to feed and one less person to worry about exactly and i think that's another thing that's really important to consider is this is a a time when the city like we said in the last episode was very overcrowded and not just down in the vaults i mean the entire city was extremely overcrowded because of the whole situation Mm -hmm. that they were trying to expand up and could not expand out and so it was getting to the point where people were just cramming into this the city the space especially with the influx of immigration there was just way more population than the space could handle and so i definitely feel like it probably unfortunately would have been that sort of climate with law enforcement where it's just like we have too many people anyways and like you said these kinds of people are not going to be missed by anybody so who cares if body snatchers are going around and getting these people so i who cares if it's one or two yeah yeah Which is very sad, and that's not the way that it should be. But unfortunately, that's how history works sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, this this episode, the history side of it, well, I mean, even the spiritual side of it, 
is definitely a sad one for me thinking about what these people went through in these spaces and especially the fact that people felt like you know this was their last option that they had nowhere else to go but these spaces where they're living underground there's no light there's no air circulation no clean water uh, very unsanitary conditions also very dangerous conditions you have the body snatchers running around and killing people you have lots of rape lots of theft lots of just crimes of all natures so i mean very and this is also an area where body snatchers would store bodies so i mean very dangerous not friendly living conditions at all and i mean this is places where women and children were living because they had nowhere else to go and so it's really really sad to think that people had to live this way because they felt like they had no other options Mm -hmm. um and then thinking about some of these spirits that are still trapped here i mean it's sad to think that um that was one of the things that actually came up on the tv episodes i believe it was haunted scotland of just like child spirits can be um very difficult for some people to consider just thinking that this is a child who is now stuck here in the afterlife without his parents or siblings or anyone to keep him company so it's a very sad thing to think about for sure yeah all right well let's move on to our last room we're going to discuss and that is the occult chamber now this is a room with a stone circle in it allegedly a witch's coven practiced magic here but the vault always felt like it contained a dark energy so they instead turn the stone circle into one that attracts and traps evil energy before relocating to another vault where they felt much more welcome and formed a protective circle there. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail of the vault chamber that has that protective circle. Um, I didn't find a whole lot on that one specifically in terms of spiritual activity. I read that there is spiritual activity, but I couldn't find anything specific on it. There was one woman who, who excuse me, had a uh, negative experience in that room, but reading her story, um, you know, I try to be, keep an open mind with everything, but my personal opinion is it sounded more like she might have been a little freaked out by the witchy vibes more than it was that, like, something paranormal was freaking her out. So I was like, yeah, I don't think we need to cover that one. But this one, the room with the stone circle, now this definitely has some shit going on. Uh, this, this circle is associated with people having mysterious scratches appear on them after visiting the circle, especially if they step into the circle, which I personally would not be stepping into the circle, but I guess that's something no, that, uh, that pe- doesn't sound people like are a doing. good time. Yeah. I'm like, um, if you're told this is the circle where all the, the evil shit's trapped, like let's step into it. That's a great idea. <laughs> so even as like a practicing witch and like entering a space where somebody else has practiced or you know that something's gone on there with like witchcraft and such it really makes you question like what exactly is the energy that these people were bringing to the table what is their intent that they're putting into the circle like there is so much that can just be varied depending on who you're with and what they're doing because yeah, even like there's reasons why people practice alone, like and don't even join covens because it's like, okay, is that going to be a lot of dramas and going to bring in a negative energy, something that you don't want attaching to you? Stepping into a circle, if it may have even been left open, is something that you need to take into consideration of what are you inviting to be in your personal space and possibly granting access to you. So. No, don't go stepping into any circles without knowing. (laughs) I think that is good advice for sure. (laughs) Even if you're just practicing, okay? Like if you're with your friends and they're like, I'm going to open a circle, like, and you're not comfortable with it, you say no. Yes. Not with me around. You can do it once I'm gone. For sure. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So definitely, uh we would advise not stepping into the circle. (laughs) And if you're going to be in a circle with a practicing witch, please make sure that you cut doors to get in and out of your circle. If you don't know what that is, you shouldn't be opening a circle. Yes. Thank you for the advice, Katie. Very important (laughs) knowledge to be passing on. Oh, man. All right. So 
I'm going to go ahead and end, start wrapping up our vaults episode. But before we officially wrap up, I did want to say in the section of the vaults that are close to street level, uh, there were high EMF levels detected by one investigative team, which appeared to come from the ceiling, likely power cables running through the ground. And so if we remember, um, back to, I'm trying to remember which episode that was. <laughs> I can't even remember now. Uh, but I know in a previous episode we have discussed before that high EMF levels. Oh, you know what? I bet you, I think it was the first one. I think it was Mary, um, uh, Elish Gardens. I think that was the episode we talked about, it. but I'm getting sidetracked. Okay. Uh, high EMF levels, even if they're man, man-made, man-caused, uh, by like power cables, <laughs> Um, they can make people think they see things out of the corner of their eyes and also generate feelings of discomfort and anxiety. Uh, however, I would argue this still cannot explain all of the paranormal activity in the vaults, especially in the sections of the vaults that are far below street level where the EMF levels from power cables did not penetrate to. So that was only detected in the very shallow areas where you're shallow enough that you can hear cars going by. You can even hear just sounds from street level in the sections of the vaults that you couldn't hear any sounds coming from up above. Those EMF levels were not detected. So again, even if we're thinking, Oh, the high EMF levels are freaking people out. Basically (laughs) I would argue that definitely cannot explain everything that we have going on in this space yeah and following that that line of thought that note i would say that with all the death and trauma that occurred in the vault's history it's really no surprise to me that there is a lot of paranormal activity that still occupies the space to this day including some Mm -hmm. negative energies like we said there was a lot of crime and trauma i mean trauma originating you can imagine of what people went through uh during the the Irish potato famine and having to immigrate to an unfamiliar place where you're not welcome or like the Highlanders who are basically peasants being kicked off their land and had nowhere to go and no money or anything to support themselves with who also fell into that category of uh, less than dead. And uh, again, sex workers, any, any of those people who were living down the vaults who were not valued at that time I, even just their lifestyle, I'm sure they experienced so much trauma. And then if you add into that, oh, now you have to live in fear, constant fear of body snatchers, serial killers, murderers, rapists, and any number of bad people that are specifically targeting this p- population because, like we were saying, law enforcement did not have a particular interest in protecting that population at that time. And uh, they were just unfortunately easy targets seeing as they you know had very limited shelter to protect them um there was definitely so much trauma that occurred in the space and then death both to from murder but also just from disease again we had very unsanitary conditions that led to a lot and also a lot of overcrowding so a lot of disease spreading through and lots of people dying from disease so a lot of death a lot of trauma i'm really not surprised (laughs) that there's a lot of energy just trapped in the space if you now uh to finish off i did want to say that if you happen to live in the uk or if you're visiting scotland please keep in mind that the vaults are not open for the public to explore freely some of the vaults were cleared out and renovated and turned into nightclubs and other venues um so (laughs) you can definitely visit those businesses though they won't be the historic vaults that we discussed today uh in terms of the vaults we were talking about today the ones that are still in their more historic form most of those spaces are closed off from public access and those that are open to the public are only accessible uh through a guided tour or through the edinburgh festival fringe events when certain areas may temporarily be opened up to the public there are also tours of Mary King's Close, so definitely go check out both the vaults and the close if you're in the area uh, and you feel comfortable doing so after everything that we discussed today. <laughs> There's definitely a lot going on in all of these lo- underground locations, uh, but if that's something that interests you and you feel willing to accept the risks considering we have some malevolent spirits in some of these places not so much in the close but in the vaults we definitely do then definitely go check them out (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, Rory, thank you so much for sharing that wonderful location. There are quite a few of haunted locations over in the Scotland and like England area, the United Kingdom. Um, I imagine that we're going to get some more that fit the similar category. Oh, Not yeah. soon, but yes, maybe soon. I don't know. I don't know what your plans are. <laughs> Yes, I don't generally plan my topics too far in advance, so I can't make any promises about how soon, but we will definitely <laughs> <laughs> be hitting up some more haunted locations in the UK and some, uh, whether they're in the UK or not, that may be similar to those underground locations for sure, because off the top of my head, I can think of a couple that are very haunted and very interesting to talk about. So yes, mm -hmm. there will be more, so keep coming back. We always have more spooky stuff to talk about. We never run out of spooky stuff. But we hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you found this topic just as interesting as we did and that you will come back next week. <laughs> All right, and with that, I will just finish off by saying please subscribe, hit that subscribe button, and uh, rate and review us. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time. Thank you again for listening to Haunting Cases Podcast. Please make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Haunting Cases Podcast and on Twitter at Haunting Cases. If you have a listener tale, story request, or any questions, email us at hauntingcasespodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. So, what do you say, listeners? Are you haunted too?